Well, as uh, Polly was saying earlier, there was about 60 of you here on Tuesday night and, uh, for Taco Tuesday, and uh, you all consumed about 3,000 tacos, I think. <laughs> uh, maybe not quite, but anyway, you made up 140 of these gift and goodie bags for the, the staff over at Central Middle School. And so Wednesday morning, those got delivered to the school. And of course, the teachers were already there and getting ready for class and everything. The next morning, Thursday morning, uh, the new principal from Central Middle School came here to my office and said, I just want, she just wanted to meet me. She wanted to introduce herself to me. And she said, I, she said, I hope that this partnership between the church and the school can continue. Well, about an hour later, I was kind of going between things, a, a meeting here and a hospital visit, and I, so I stopped at Runza on Q Street for lunch. And uh, while I was waiting to get my food, four people came up to me and said, aren't you the pastor at Faith Westwood? <laughs> yeah? <laughs> they said, well, we are teachers at Central Middle School. And they just wanted to say hi, and we talked for a couple of minutes. You know, it was a, it was a few years ago that we made this commitment uh, to become the best uh, neighbor that Central Middle School has ever had. And we listened to them. What, how can we help you? And uh, I think over these last few years, what we've seen is the trust really begin to develop. And, and even to the best place it's ever been now um, well I know and I also know that at noon today some of you uh, are planning to meet in front of the the church here on the east entrance and uh, weather permitting you're going to walk up maybe you'll have to drive up if it's still raining but go up to the central middle school and there in front of the school or maybe walking around it um, you're going to pray for the students and the staff that are going to be beginning there this week. And if any of you feel like, oh, I would love to do that, then just show up there at the beginning of the church after this service and you can do that. Uh, you could say that Faith Westwood is seeking to be a blessed friend to Central Middle School. And being a blessed friend is a great way for each of us to show our neighbors that we love them. Five simple steps, five simple ways. You know, every Sunday we see those banners up there, right? Every Sunday you see that on the back of your bulletin about uh, being a blessed friend. And we're learning them so that we can be a blessing, especially to friends and to family who are still kind of on that journey of finding their way to God. So I'm going to invite you to say those. You can look at the banners or look up on the screen, but uh, say those five things with me, will you? Begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, serve in love, share your story. And I would also add, today if you're here and you go, yeah, I don't even know if I would call myself a believer or belonger to Jesus, and I would say, I'm, I'm just glad you're here. And, and I'm hoping that out of these five things that we talk about, you're going to maybe take some of them home with you. You know, those could really apply to my life, even if I'm not there in, in my faith the way other people seem to be here. And, I, and things that you can take home and start to put into your life in a practical way.
uh, over the last few years since I've adopted this as a, as a way of sort of guiding some of my relationships, I now have five individuals, couples or families, five, and it's taken me a while to get there, but that I am seeking to be a blessed friend with. And one of those persons, one of those five is a family member. Uh, two of them don't live in the Omaha area. The other three do. Um, some of the friendships, as you can imagine, are farther along than others. And I don't really know what God has in mind for any of them. But I can tell you that from all my years of walking with Jesus, over and over I've seen that God just seems to be willing and wanting to work through my friendships and in those relationships. And I've seen it happen with many other people as well. And I don't really do much. All I do is these five little things, and God does all the big stuff. And I just sort of wonder, kind of watch in wonder. For example, I've been, I've been taking steps to be a blessed friend to a couple over the last few years. Um, and it has led to some wonderful conversations about life and about faith. And, and then they moved away. They moved out of state. And I didn't know if I was ever going to hear from them again. Uh, and then a few weeks later, I got a text message thanking me for being a friend to them and asking me if I would continue to pray for them. That really just meant a lot to me. Thought, okay, Lord, thanks for that encouragement. And, and let, me, uh, let me say that being a blessed friend is not about making someone your project. Nobody likes being a project. Bless is a, guide, is a set of guidelines for friendship. It's meant to encourage us to intentionally include people in our friendships who are not yet followers of Jesus. But they are not your project. They are your friend. And, you know, if their heart opens up to the Lord, then you just say, thank you, God. That's a great thing you did. God has to be the one to do that. Our job is just to do those little things. Pray, listen, eat, serve, share. And, you know, I know in this church a lot of you were doing those things way before we ever learned this BLESS acronym. For years, you have had friendships with people who, who aren't in the same place you are in your faith, and yet you, you, you have prayed for them, you listen to them, you, you grab lunch or coffee with them, you, uh, you, you don't hide your faith in Jesus, you help each other out. So here's one thing today that I want to emphasize when I kind of look at bless as a whole. When we will see God's power, when we are led by the Holy Spirit, to bring all five practices into our blessed friendships. So, for example, if, if, if I go out and eat with somebody, that's a great thing. Builds relationship. It, when you go out and have coffee or lunch with somebody, it says, you're important in my life. I want to spend some time with you. But I also know that we're really going to see God's power bloom in this, in this friendship and in their lives uh, when we start to bring up the other four things, when we pray for them and, and listening to them deeply and serving them and sharing with them. Um, last year, during Lent, I gave, a, as many of you know, I gave a series of messages on this particular uh, BLESS theme. And uh, since then, we've just kind of sprinkled them here and there throughout the year. 
uh, back in uh, January, I gave a message on um, listen with care. Back in May, I gave one on eat together. And today, we're focus, uh, focusing on serving in love. So let's open our Bibles to John chapter 4, uh, starting with verse 1. Uh, if you brought your Bible, great. If you want to use the few Bible, you'll see it on the beginning of page 1065, or it begins on that page. And by the way, if, if you came here today and you wish you had a Bible like this to read at home, we can make that happen today. Uh, right after the service, just head across the foyer to the Connection Center, that rack on the wall next to the elevator, and you'll see this little display rack of a few Bibles there. Just, just take one. You don't have to tell anybody or ask or sign anything. Just take one and have it. And you may be wondering, well, where, where would I start reading? Well, today we're in this narrative about the life of Jesus written by John. I think that would be a perfect place to begin reading the Bible, okay? Um, so let's look at verses 1 and 2. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. And I am not saying much about this, except that, that Jesus always had a great sense of timing. And I think in this case, he sensed that it was time to leave, time to move on. Verse 3 says, So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Uh, some of you know I'm a big map fan. I haven't really shown one for a while, but we're going to show one today. And uh, on the, bo the bottom circle there, I've circled the area of Judea. Um, uh, Bethlehem is that, in that area where Jesus was born. Jerusalem is in that area. And then uh, to the north, you see Galilee. And Nazareth is in that area where Jesus spent most of his life. And then when he kind of went public with his healing and teaching, his home base was Capernaum along the sea, which is also in, in Galilee. Um, now, now, what lies between Galilee and Judea? A region called Samaria. Now, most conscientious Jews, if you're traveling between Galilee and Judea, most conscientious Jews would skirt around and bypass Samaria. Uh, they didn't want to go through, they didn't want to have any contact with those people if they could help it. So what does it say in verse 4? You with me? It says, now he had to go through Samaria. Why did he have to go through Samaria? It doesn't really say. I mean, Jesus never seemed to be in a hurry. You know, maybe he was trying to make it up to Capernaum for the football game. I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't really say. Uh, but I think it was something else. I think it was because of someone he would meet along the way, that he had to go through Samaria. By the way, uh, Jews and Samaritans had no love for each other. And so to kind of tell you the background of that, I'm going to give you a really, a really quick history. In the 8th century B.C., uh, the Israelites in the north... Uh, were defeated by the Assyrian Empire and many of the Israelites were deported and other people were uh, uh, put in their place and these people intermarried and intermingled with uh, the Israelites that remained and, and these new people brought in their own gods, their own religions and, and all got blended together with the worship of Israel's God, Yahweh. And also, the, the capital of the northern uh, kingdom was Samaria 
And later it became common to call the whole area Samaria. I didn't realize that was going to rhyme for a while. Area Samaria, okay. And then in the 6th century, uh, the southern Israelites, the Jews, returned from exile in Babylon. And the Samaritans, their neighbors to the north, said, Hey, we, we'd like to help. We want to help you rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And the Jews in the south go, We don't want you. We don't need you. We don't need you impure, unworthy Samaritans. Well, and then in the 4th century B.C., uh, the Samaritans decided, Well, We'll show you. We're just going to build our own temple on Mount Gerizim, a rival to the temple in Jerusalem. Well, then in the second century, the Jews came and they burned down the Samaritan temple. They were not being a blessed friend. Sounds a lot like the the race-based hate that you see in the world today, doesn't it? But Jesus does not participate in the prejudice. Jesus does not participate in the prejudice. He is about to create friendships with Samaritans. So let's go down to verses 5 and 6. He came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. The well was probably just outside of town. Jesus' disciples had gone into town to, to, to buy food, but Jesus stayed back. He was tired. I mean, I guess they all were. It was very likely that they may have covered 20 miles that morning. I mean, that's a lot of walking. And now the sun is bearing down upon them, and Jesus sits. He rests. He waits for the reason that he had to go through Samaria. Verse 7 says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And with that simple request, he begins what will become the the longest one-on-one conversation of Jesus recorded in the Bible. And it begins so simply, just by simply asking for a favor. And it lead, this leads me to our big idea of the day. In blessed friendships, it's just as important to let ourselves be served as it is to serve. And you know, that sometimes that's hard for us, isn't it? We're, we're, we're a bunch of do-gooder Christians who think that we have to do everything for everybody. We have to meet every need. Every need and, and you know, that can be good, but only to a point. And the point where it becomes not so good is when we are always the strong ones. We are always the capable ones. We're in charge, and we're never in need. And let me tell you, that is not a healthy way to do friendship. If I am always the giver, that creates a lopsided relationship, doesn't it? So let's say this together on the screen, shall we? In blessed friendships... It's just as important to let ourselves be served as it is to serve. You know, as I was kind of studying through this passage, I began to imagine what it might be like if you or I were the one at the well, you know, meeting the Samaritan woman who came. And, uh, you know, we're kind of, we're sitting there, we're tired, we're thirsty after that long, long walk in the morning. 
and we sit there and we don't say anything. And we wonder, I, I, I wonder if she'll offer. And if she does offer, we might say, um, no, no, that's okay. My, my friends will be back soon. But Jesus asks. He asks. It's like he's glad he doesn't have anything to draw the water with because this gives him an opportunity to talk with her. And by doing so, I mean, Jesus is breaking all kind of social taboos. First of all, he's a Jew talking to a Samaritan. And second, he's talking to a woman he, d he doesn't know in public. I mean, you're not supposed to do that. So she's totally shocked. Verse 9, uh, the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And then it says, For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And the Greek word translated associate with implies that a Jew would never drink from the same cup as a Samaritan. So you can understand why she is so shocked. But Jesus, he doesn't care about that. He asks her for a drink of water. And before the day is done, she will rush into town. She will tell all the people she knows, come out and meet this guy. Could he be the Messiah? Let's say this together, shall we? What? Again, in blessed friendships, it's just as important to let ourselves be served as it is to serve. You know, in a, in a place where I, we lived previously, uh, in the front of our house, we had a, a flower planter. And um, it was right between the, the front steps and the garage. And so two sides of the planter were the foundation of the house. And the other two sides were made out of four-by-fours. And, and over the years, just because of the pressure of the dirt and the water and all, what, what happened is those four-by-four four walls just sort of started to keep spreading, at, you know, leaning out. And it wasn't looking as good as it used to. And so um, one morning I just I, I started digging, throwing out dirt, you know. And I was going to rebuild the planter. Huh? My neighbor Jess saw me from across the street. Jess was a retired manufacturing maintenance engineer. He had every kind of tool known to man. And I had borrowed a lot of them over the years. His garage was a wonder of organization and cleanliness. And he pretty much knew that left to my own devices, I could only make a small problem worse. <laughs> so just a few minutes into my project, here comes Jess. And he didn't walk very quickly, but with a wheelbarrow filled with tools and some lengths of pipe. He had, and he, had to, he came with this great idea of, of drilling holes in all of those four-by-fours, uh, except not through the very top of the top one, and then sliding those sections of pipe down in there, which would help hold those, those walls up straight so that they wouldn't you know, keep leaning in a few years again. I mean, it was genius. Did I accept his help? Uh-huh. And you know, that also led to another opportunity. 
when it, when it was noon, of course, this is kind of a farmer thing like I grew up with, you know. At noon, you, get, you got the help over there. You feed them, right? And so uh, I said, hey, you want to come in for lunch? And I, and I, and I fixed him a, a Parmesan chicken sandwich with mayo. He loved it. And we had a nice visit. And then we went back and we worked again for the rest of the afternoon. We got it done by the end of the day. You see how this works? Receiving is just as important as giving. Sometimes more. And so now, I'd like to invite uh, my new friend Bill Bowers up to uh, speak a... Come on up, Bill. Speak a word of encouragement and uh, to pray... To pray over us, if you would. Stay here. Thank you. Stay here just for a second, Steve. Um, do you like to give your pastor a gift once in a while? Write him a word of encouragement? Because he gets lots of other mail in various <laughs> ways. Uh, an Indian evangelist once said that we live by affirmation more than bread. And I am thankful for your beautiful message for the loving heart of this church. And I'm thankful for a woman by the name of Elaine who said to my wife and to me in the late 70s before I was to take a new call, she said, Pastor Bill, I promise to pray for you and Joni and your girls every day of my life. And she's in assisted living now. She's older than we are. But one of the things that keeps me going is to know that Elaine Nightingale in Wilmington, Delaware, is praying for mm -hmm. us and for our girls. And I would just invite you to pray with me as we pray for Steve and for this ministry. Lord Jesus, thank you for this fine man who loves you with all of his heart. Thank you for this great church that has such a key strategic ministry here in Oak Hills and, and far beyond. Help us to keep our eyes on you and to be an encourager. Lord, we live by affirmation more than bread. And uh, bless this man, protect him, guard his heart, guard the heart of this church. And uh, we'll give you all the glory. And we praise you for the opportunity to be here. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, right. you can go Thank sit down. You. It's my all turn. Right. All right. He's going to share a little bit here. You know what those clocks at the back of the sanctuaries mean to preachers? Everything, absolutely nothing. Well, I won't keep you long. After being on the Church of the Air for so many years, where I had 17 minutes, you know, you memorize the message, then you let the Holy Spirit in and change it however, but you have that discipline. And uh, so I didn't have the luxury of uh, letting them know all of my collected wisdom, which at this age, the older I get, the less I know, and I'm so grateful for that. And you say, what are the great gifts? is receiving. One of the greatest gifts is receiving. And I've been probably started, I don't know, dozens and dozens of men Bible studies. I can't imagine doing life apart from reading the Bible with a group of men who love the Lord. But I've noticed a thing that I'm sure you have noticed, husbands and wives, especially wives, the women in our lives, that sometimes it's hard for men to be vulnerable, to ask for help. And doesn't our relationship with Jesus Christ begin in asking when we are 
we recognize our needs. Some of us take a whole life to get there. About a month ago, we were on our annual uh, pilgrimage to Ocean City, New Jersey, to, uh, to the Jersey Shore. Now, when you think of the Jersey Shore, you think of Snooky in a situation. <laughs> Thank you. It's not like that. And when you grow up in Pennsylvania, you think the world ends at Pittsburgh, and then there's a dot called Chicago, and then the West Coast. Well, we've been here since 93 and love it. Well, the Jersey Shore has some beautiful places, a quiet place. Well, we go to the uh, population, Ocean City, 14,000 in the winter and 150,000 in July. But they have a place called the Tabernacle. They bring preachers from all over the world. And I was looking forward to hearing some silver uh, silver-tongued preachers and was disappointed think oh here comes another testimony and it was Mike Singletary Chicago Bulls do you think he was a tough guy tough as nails 10 MVPs I mean he even looks scary but he gave his testimony and I will tell you it was when he was broken that he became a gentle strong man in a different kind of strength and when we met with him after the service, this most gentle bear uh, was visible evidence of the power of Christ. The third Sunday was Daryl Strawberry, who spoke here in, in Omaha. My daughter, my wife is on, was on the board of uh, Community Alliance for Mental Health, and Daryl had been in and out of jail. He had made millions of dollars, was a fantastic, famous baseball player. Um, was in jail for mistreating those closest to him. But you wouldn't recognize him. He's a minister today with that same spirit as Mike Singletary. And then in the middle, the middle speaker was a lady by the name of Ruth Graham. Have any of you ever heard of her? Anybody ever hear of Billy Graham? He has mentored people like Steve and myself long distance in terms of how to relate to people our boldness for Jesus Christ, our learning to be vulnerable. And he was asked by a reporter, Mr. Graham, how do you pray? What's your favorite prayer? Go back to what Steve was saying. You know, his favorite prayer was one word, help. And I know, along with the Apostle Paul, who wrote 40% of the New Testament, that my strength comes the same way it came for Paul, in my weakness, where I'm not ashamed to ask for God's help, it, because his strength is made perfect in weakness. You have a great thing going here. You're blessed to be a blessing, not just to your family or your friends, but God has given you so much. Now, I'm a very gifted golfer. I won $5 a couple years ago at Pacific <laughs> Springs. Oh, stop it, you're ahead of me, because I was closest to the outhouse. <laughs> True story. True story. And um, I sometimes think my, my only uh, gift is the gift of gab, because I love Jesus and love to share. I'm not ashamed to share my weaknesses, because like your pastor and like many of you, you've discovered on your knees not only God's help, but there is a joy, and it's a joy at doing the most effective evangelism of all, and that's making friends for Jesus Christ. 
and friends don't have to pretend to be strong. I know better than that. I don't need to because I know who my strength is. Isn't that a wonderful message? I'm blessed to be here. I love this church. What an honor. God works in strange ways. I'm in Tai Chi with Carolyn. She's a member of this church. And Tai Chi is, for those of us who, anybody here have issues with, with balance? Don't read, yeah, yeah. Way to get to be my age. Anyway, Tai Chi is another example of God's help. And I'm old enough to be doing a whole lot of other things, but there's no greater joy than lifting up Christ and building up people, and that starts with friendship. Thank you for the privilege of being here with you. Thank you for loving Christ and sharing him with your neighborhood and beyond. I'm proud of you. Is that okay to say that? And I thank God for you. Amen.